and welcome to the Big Happy Life podcast. I'm Natalie Britt and I'm a coach, trainer and hypnotherapist, but I'm also just a person trying to figure out what it takes to live a life that feels happy and fulfilling. In this podcast, I have three goals. Finding things that help us feel in control of our lives, finding ways that help us weather the tough stuff, and learning how to be great role models for our kids in terms of living lives that are happy and fulfilling and being able to do those two things for ourselves, feeling control and weather the tough stuff. I believe that there's no better way to ensure our children's futures than to show them that we've managed to shape our own. This week's episode feeds directly into that role modeling part of our jobs as parents. And it's inspired by a lecture by Jordan Peterson was given in 2017 about personality. Now, in my previous work as a corporate trainer, I was qualified and certified to deliver a variety of psychometric tests and profiles, often referred to as personality tests. And I've always found that people really identify with the things that come out in those tests. And they'll say, I am this, I'm like that. These are my traits, this is who I am. And we buy into those things, those stories of kind of stable identities. But what I found in my life since moving into the world of personal coaching and helping people to build a new future for themselves is that very often we have to let go of those stories And so thinking about identity and personality as though they are stable structures, sort of truths, if you like, facts, can be really detrimental. Not only that, but thinking about personality and identity as though these things are fixed is also not necessarily true. And there seems to be plenty of evidence and plenty of information to allow us to look at things differently. So that's what I'm going to explore here. Let's dive in. If I asked a thousand of you to use the same sentence starter, I am, and complete that sentence 10 times, The likelihood is that within that group of a thousand of you, the majority of you would write things that fit under similar headings. I am South African, I am British, whatever. You'd pick something about where you're from and your kind of cultural identity. You'd also pick your roles. I am a mum, a wife, a daughter, a sister, and some of that information would be in there. You'd also have things about your roles, I am a student, or I am a coach, I am a CEO, whatever, something relates to your work and the things you do with your time. And then you might have sentences that relate to your traits, I am impatient, I am kind, I am generous. But what many of us fail to recognize is that those things are almost all either inconsequential in terms of the future options that are available to us or unstable in that they can be changed at any moment. So if, for example, part of my identity is that I am a wife, what happens if I get divorced? What happens to that piece of my identity? How does that piece of my identity shape who I am? What are the rules of my role as a wife? And how do those things play into what's possible for me? 
what options are open to me and what I should or shouldn't do, what I consider to be good or bad. So these things are all belief-based or story-based. Sometimes those beliefs and stories serve us well, and other times they don't. I just have an addictive personality. I am unskilled. I am poorly educated. I'm too lazy. I'm boring. I'm not funny. I'm not good enough to, whatever, write the book that I want to write, finish the course I want to finish, go over to that person and say hello because I find them attractive. We say these things as if they are factually correct, as if they are true. And we don't always recognize that actually they are choices about what we believe. Our personalities and our identities are merely accumulations of these types of stories, these kinds of beliefs, and the experiences that they stack up on top of each other to create what appears to be a factual truth. But if Feeling in control and being a role model for your kids is something that requires you to make some changes, then some parts of that story are going to have to be shaken loose. And the good news is they absolutely can be. It's not always easy, but it's absolutely possible. Particularly once you realize that that's all they are, simply a collection of stories and beliefs. Now it's not a case of going, well, just believe something else, because Beliefs are really often very deeply rooted. They can have their roots early on in childhood before you're even consciously aware that you took them on. And so sometimes, for many of us, we need help uncovering those things, either through coaching or therapy, perhaps some books or workbooks or courses or different things that can just open your mind to new possibilities, create doors where previously there were walls, and you have the opportunity to open those doors and find out what's behind them. Once you have that, that can often allow you to make some new choices. And with new choices come new experiences, and with new experiences come new beliefs, which then can shape this new version of identity or personality. So in the lecture that I mentioned to you, Jordan Peterson asked the question, who are you? And then he went on to say, you are the thing that is, and you are also the thing that is becoming. And I loved that because when we think about personality and identity, I'd imagine that even if you listen to that last sentence that I said about it, about how they can be changed, a part of you was going, no, I don't think that's actually true because I am who I am. Like these things are stable parts of me. But again, what's really important to recognize is that they're stable because you're holding them stable. They're stable because they're supported by a network of beliefs and behaviors. If the beliefs change and the behaviors change, then you will create something that is a different, new, stable shape. So if life at the moment doesn't feel fulfilling and doesn't feel happy, if you don't feel in control and you don't feel like you're a great role model for your kids, then there are options to examine some of the structures that are in place, some of the stories that are holding what you believe to be true in place. And once you can destabilize those stories, you can begin to make changes. There's a really cool concept that kind of illustrates this point. It's called the hero's journey. And it often features in movies and TV shows where you see the character at the start, they have a particular way of being. 
and then they go through this kind of quest like they go through something really difficult they often have a guide or somebody who can help them and they experience some kind of transformation and by the end they appear to be changed one of my favorite characters who went through this kind of hero's journey was carol in the walking dead i must stress that i'm referring to carol in the tv show not Carol in the comic books. So if you're a comic book aficionado, you will know that the hero's journey was very different and the trajectory of her character was very different in the comics than in the TV show. So in The Walking Dead, the TV show, Carol starts out as this quite meek, sometimes even insipid housewife. Her husband is abusive and aggressive and she's really quiet and fearful of him. But as the series progresses, Carol's character begins to change. She goes through things. She meets people who help her. She learns things along the way. And she becomes somebody who is much more pragmatic, much more ruthless, much more able and capable to defend herself, protect herself, have a voice and a presence, be counted, lead other people. These are all things that there was no way she would have done at the beginning, but she goes on this kind of hero's journey in much the same way as many of the characters in that show do. Now, the hero's journey is a term that was coined by author Joseph Campbell in his book, Hero of a Thousand Faces in 1949. But the journey itself has morphed into something a bit more manageable and, to be fair, a little bit less sexist since then. And instead of the original 17 stages, you'll most often see the hero's journey represented as 12 stages. But we're not overly concerned with the stages and explaining them or doing kind of, you know, academic research about them. We are just looking to understand how to use this information to help us loosen some of the stories and to recognize where we are in our own journey and where we are on that path. So stage one of the hero's journey is the call to adventure. And the thing that I find most interesting about this part is the call to adventure sounds like something positive, but very often it is something catastrophic. If we look at Carol's call to adventure, from her perspective, it was horrendous. They'd woken up in an apocalyptic world. She loses everyone she knows and loves. In this particular part of her story, that's her call to adventure. For some of us, this call to adventure can come in the form of losing a loved one. It can come in the form of illness. It can come in the form of job loss. And so the next phase of the hero's journey is refusal of the call. And I think masses of the power of this concept lies just in these two parts and the wording that's used. The fact that when we see catastrophic things in our lives as step one of the hero's journey, the call to adventure, meaning something is going to change. Life as you knew it under the banner of ordinary is no longer available. Something has changed so dramatically that you have been placed at step one on this path. Now, when we choose the path, it's a different thing. Yes, there will be adversity. Yes, there will be problems. Yes, we will struggle. But something about our identity and our personality is already forming around us to go, I'm doing this. I am really driven. I am really motivated. I am somebody who finishes things. I am whatever. You have this whole story going that says, 
I step up, I take the adventure. But when it comes to you from a place of adversity, it doesn't feel like adventure in the start. And so if you're at the point where you are already in that stage of denial, which I think ties quite nicely in with the grief cycle. This was a concept from a lady called Elizabeth Kubler-Ross in 1969. She looked at five stages of grief, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and then finally acceptance. And so I think at the stage of fighting the hero's journey, if that call to adventure has come from a place where something has happened that for you is catastrophic, has pulled the rug out from under you, and that requires you to grieve, then a part of the resistance to that journey is you going through the grief cycle. In other cases, it can be other things. It can be fear of the unknown, fear of failure, sometimes even fear of success. There are all kinds of things that hold us back in answering that call to adventure. But once we see it as that, we can begin to figure out how to take the next step. So if you currently are facing something really hard that requires you to be someone it feels like you're not, know that this is your call to adventure. This is your moment to start loosening those stories, to start loosening the behaviors that contribute to keeping those stories in place and letting that structure just begin to let some space in for some new ways of thinking, new ways potentially of being and doing things. The next part of the journey is where the hero becomes committed. And something that I haven't said until this point is of course, that we are all the heroes in our own stories. We're the lead in the movie of our lives. And so we all have these hero's journeys and we have them more than once in our lives. If you think back over your life, there will be the trials and tribulations, the goals and ambitions, the things that you have overcome, the things that you have developed in yourself. All of those, if you look at them in the ways in which they unfolded, will have elements of this hero's journey present in them. Some of them because they started out of catastrophe and desperation, and some of them because they started out of motivation and inspiration. And so after that call to adventure and that initial refusal of the call comes commitment. When the hero finally accepts that this is what's required, if I'm going to survive or even thrive in this new world where life as I knew it is no longer an option, I have to commit to this quest. I have to do this thing that I'm scared of doing. I have to become this person I'm scared of becoming. I am ready to change. At that point, the hero's guide or mentor reveals themselves. This is where the hero is connected with somebody who can help. This is not a hero, this is a guide. So in Star Wars, you've got Luke Skywalker, Yoda is the guide. In Carol's hero's journey in The Walking Dead, she's the hero and Rick Grimes is her mentor. He's the one who helps her begin to believe in herself and begin to see herself as capable. He's the one who teaches her what he knows. And she then is able to also take learning from other sources and other places because of the mentorship she gets from him. What's interesting about this is that prior to commitment, the mentor can be there, but the hero will not be able to take advantage of that person. And again, you might've experienced this in your life. You've been offered advice, you've been offered books, you've been put in touch with therapists or coaches or trainers or all manner of knowledgeable experts, but you didn't make use of them. And the reason was you hadn't committed to your journey yet. But once you do, those people will be easily available and you will find yourself drawn to the person or book 
or course or whatever that is right for you, where you can get the guidance that you need. That's the point at which the hero has the strength to cross the threshold into the unknown, to put themselves in harm's way, to put themselves outside their comfort zones, to try that thing that they've been scared of trying, to say that thing they've been scared of saying, to become that person they've been scared of becoming. And again, you'll likely have experienced this in your life where you have somebody by your side who helps you take that plunge to do that thing that you thought you couldn't. You thought you weren't that sort of person. You thought you were too nervous. You thought you couldn't do it. But with the guidance and the help of somebody who believed in you, you were able to do it. In the absence of your own commitment, that wouldn't have happened anyway because you wouldn't have bought into what that person was sharing with you. It required your commitment first and then it required their help to get you over the threshold. At this point, the hero's journey gets often ugly. This is where the trials and the tribulations await, where the hero begins to doubt themselves and where things are really incredibly difficult. Things don't go as you imagined, you don't succeed first time around, and there is a sense of defeat. If you're at this point in your journey now, please take heart in that you are halfway. This is the halfway mark. It can often feel like the worst part because you committed and you've already pushed and you've already taken huge risks and made huge sacrifices and started to change yourself. And there was an expectation at the start that it was going to be easier than it is. But the truth is without this part, there is no hero's journey because this is where the death of the old character, all of those stories and all of those structures that have held that old story of who you are in place begin to break and new ones form in their place. And it is enormously, enormously painful. When I think of the two occasions that stand out in my mind where I have gone through this, the first one was when we adopted our children and morphing into my role as a mother was one that I would describe as following the trajectory that I've shared with you already. And that point at which my old identity sort of shattered and became something else. I actually remember writing a blog about it because somebody for my daughter's birthday had given her this um, butterfly kit where you get some caterpillars and you raise them to butterflies and then you set them free. And so as part of that, we were learning about caterpillars, metamorphosis and becoming butterflies. And we learned that when a caterpillar goes into the cocoon, their bodies liquefy and then that liquid reforms into the butterfly that then later emerges. I remember being completely blown away by that fact and then writing this blog about how I felt like I was going through the same thing, how the person I had known myself as, the things that I had felt capable of, the things that I had believed in, just seemed to be liquefying and becoming nothing. And being in that space felt so horrific to me. I felt so alone and so broken and so lost, and so hopeless. But I had by that point already come too far to turn back. But then as those parts begin to reform, as the learning takes place and 
you begin to find new ways of thinking, new ways of doing things, new ways of believing in yourself. That new identity begins to form. And for me, that was becoming a mom. Prior to that, I had felt like a glorified babysitter. I felt like I had people in my house who were calling me mom, but I was babysitting and it was really weird. But over the course of that 18 months or two years, where gradually that old identity, that child-free, focused on business, focused on self, can have what I want when I want, all of that went. And in its place, this new identity of mother began to form and my values were different the things that I focused on were different the ways in which I thought were different the ways in which I behaved were different but I'll never forget how lonely and difficult I found that transition and the second time I remember it clearly was related to alcohol now this journey wasn't quite as dramatic as the parenting one but that sense of arriving at this point where the old identity of fun and confident, life of the party, all of that stuff that I had always associated with drinking kind of broke apart. And in its place, my new identity as somebody who rarely drinks began to take shape. But there is a part of you that grieves that old life. And always, there's always going to be that. Even when that old life wasn't actually offering you something fantastic, there will be a phase of difficulty. There will be a trial and tribulation as you let go of that old identity and begin to embrace the new one. But like I said, on the bright side of it, know that in this dark place where it feels so difficult and you can feel so alone, know that you're halfway. And once you do embrace that new identity, once you do embrace those new choices, things begin to get easier because that's when transformation happens. So again, if I look at my journey, that transformation into becoming mom, that's now the biggest part of who I feel I am. So right at the beginning, when I said to you, write down 10 endings of the sentence, I am, the first thing I will always write down is I am a mom. Now, should that part of my identity ever be stripped away because of something catastrophic happening, then there will be another hero's journey to go through because that part of my identity will be lost. And many parents have experienced that. In truth, right now, it's not even something that I want to contemplate. And so I'll leave that idea there. But what I want to highlight is that even in the face of what feels like a stable transformation, there is always every possibility that there will be a new call to a new life, that a part of your identity will have to shift a, because you have no choice, or B, because you want something else and therefore you must shift. It's always going to be through inspiration or desperation that these journey cycles will repeat over and over. But the point to recognize here is that you are never limited to what you have done, what you have thought, and how you have behaved in the past. These things are merely a collection of beliefs, stories, and behaviors that have come together to form something that you believe to be factual and stable and true. So moving on to the next stage of the journey, after transformation comes the reward. And in my case, that feeling of being really connected and part of my children's lives, being able to accept that word mommy and feel it know that that's me and feel that it's me, not just a word that someone's saying to me that feels somehow disconnected and disembodied from me. 
And with that change in my mindset for drinking, that reward came in the form of a sense of ease around alcohol that I hadn't experienced. Prior to that, I had felt like I was a drinker trying not to drink. And after that whole transformation took place, I became somebody who just isn't bothered by alcohol. And now that has formed enough of a part of my identity that I actually work as a coach helping other people go on that journey to let go of alcohol themselves and then go on to do the things they want to do with their lives and live the way they want to live now that alcohol has been removed and is out of the way. Now, there are a few more stages to the hero's journey um, under the heading of the road back, but it is basically where everything then becomes sort of settled. That's the end part of the movie where we now know that this is who the hero is. This is their new identity and they will move forward with this identity and they will do things in this new way, perform in this new way, have this new strength and carry it with them. It's part of them. But of course, as we know from any hero franchise, there's never just one journey. There's always the sequel where we meet the hero facing a new quest, a new challenge, a new reason to grow and change. But unless the heroes really face something big that does require that immense change and that immense character build, we're not always that interested. We don't want to see the same story play out over and over again. And the same is true in our own lives. So as I finish this episode, I invite you to think about what your hero's journey is and whether it's repeating the same story over and over or whether you are open to and embracing the possibilities for something big, something really adventurous, something that you can commit to, that can change you, that can grow you, and that you can show your kids what's possible for them if they can do the same. As Jordan Peterson put it so beautifully in the lecture that I mentioned to you, who are you? You are the thing that transforms who you are. Don't sacrifice who you could be for who you are. I hope you found this episode really helpful. I hope it has allowed you to think about some of the trials and tribulations in your life and potentially some of the calls to adventure that currently await you. If you've already reached the point where you feel committed to the change that you wish to embark on or that you have been forced into, look out for your mentor. You'll feel drawn to that person or that book or that course or whatever it is. Let that allow you to take the next step. And if your journey involves you freeing yourself from alcohol and you'd like to take that next step with me, you can visit bighappylife.co.uk. For now, as always, if you have questions or comments, again, visit bighappylife.co.uk or email me natalie at bighappylife.co.uk. Please do leave a review of the podcast if you're enjoying these episodes. And if you know somebody who would benefit from listening, please share the episode link with them. For now, though, thanks for listening. 